Welcome to the Unbothered Blondes podcast with myself, Randa Caraba, and the other host, my girlfriend, Kate Davis. We are recording not quite a tell-all podcast because we do have a few safe boundaries set to protect ourselves and our family's privacy, but we are here to discuss everything you've wanted to know from motherhood, entrepreneurship, marriage, relationships, friendships, building confidence, some fashion talk, some finance talk, how we were raised, how to rise above mean girls in adulthood, stopping the mom shaming, and so much more. Get ready for a closer look into our lives, past, present, future, unfiltered, raw, and of course, blonde. Kate is the owner of Rain Lashes, Rain Hills Wedding Venue, and she does a lot of online influencing, primarily with her Instagram and her Instagram stories. So be sure to follow along because I myself am so influenced by Kate's unapologetic style and just everything she shares with life. And then there's me. My name is Randa Caraba. I own an online strength training fitness program called powher.fit. And so that can be found at P-O-W-H-E-R.F-I-T, where we focus a lot on community, lifting each other up and celebrating all of our wins. I have an online virtual She Just Shines confidence and mindset course and share a lot of my lifestyle on my blog at randacaraba.com. So we are so excited to give back to the community to hopefully encourage and inspire you to really dive into your unapologetic self, to become more confident and to be the best you that you can be. Well, hello and welcome back to the Unbothered Blondes podcast. Today, it's going to be myself, Randa Caraba, and Grant Caraba. And we are going to be doing a finance talk because it really seemed like y'all loved the marriage episode that we did a little over a week ago, but we actually got a lot more questions to do another finance episode. And if you have not already listened, when we did the Escalade episode, we did get into some finance things. So now we are going to, we opened the poll up on Instagram for questions. We're going to be answering those and just diving more into finance because we really do want to give y'all a lot of value and insight on this podcast because we are grateful for you following along and all that we do online. So I'm going to let Grant kind of take the reins for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, whenever you're setting up for finances and everything else, everybody's situation is always going to be different. So don't think that just because we're doing one thing, that's the end-all, be-all, correct way of doing things. When it comes to economics, there's you know 10 million different ways to, to do whatever you're, or to achieve your goal. So we're just going to kind of talk about ways we like to handle stuff, our generic situations, and Hopefully that, you know, some of the advice and things we're doing might be able to help y'all, you know, in your goals. Yes. And first thing I will say is that Grant and I do have a financial advisor and our goal is to bring him onto this podcast for the next finance talk. So that is coming soon. And he does lots of like, was it radio shows or talk shows? Well, he's on Texas radio. Okay, so he's more so, talking football. So he's pretty comfortable with uh, being behind a microphone. Right. So we cannot wait to have him as a guest, but we kind of wanted to, I guess, talk a little bit more about it ourselves before we bring him on. So first question, Grant, is what is the best advice on trying to save when getting started on your own? Honestly, um, it's just prioritizing. What is what is important? Are you really wanting to save or are you wanting to go to the bar? Are you wanting to buy an extra pair of tennis shoes? What what are what realistically are your goals? I think you have to prioritize your money management. You know, do you really the one of the good things that I was always taught is like, all right, do you really if you're going to buy something and it's say a larger than $100 purchase and you want it that day. Well, wait 7 days and then after 7 days if you still want that item then purchase it. But if you wait seven days and you're like, man, I don't really need this, then it's probably not a good idea to go ahead and purchase it. So what I like to do is that, you know, 
because I'm a pretty spontaneous person and all that kind of stuff. And so I was thinking that after those seven days that I'm really trying to incorporate that, that, all right, well, I was going to spend $120 on a pair of uh, Adidas Ultra Boost or whatnot. Well, I don't really need them. So after seven days, I just take that 120 that I was going to spend and I actually just throw it in my savings account. And so I'm acting as if I'm spending it, but I'm actually really putting it elsewhere because I've already set that money aside from the get-go to know that, you know, I've got that in my general fund to, to spend. So I like to try to put it elsewhere and put it in my savings account. You know, and if you don't have a budget set right now and you're just getting started and you feel a little overwhelmed or maybe even a little embarrassed that you're just getting started with putting your finances together, because that's where sometimes, I don't know, it's kind of like avoiding the scale. You know, if you, if you don't want to see the number, you don't want to see where you are, you can sometimes avoid it. But I think really finding whatever way to start facing it head on, even if that's just like writing down all of your um purchases because obviously if you have online banking you can see that but if you're also spending cash on things just kind of knowing what you're spending and then kind of with time you can start breaking that down into categories and really noticing maybe certain areas where you spend too much or too spontaneously like Grant's saying you know like if you're going to be up late at night scrolling on Facebook and you're getting caught by advertisements because you can't sleep and you think you need this for your dog and you notice over time you do that way too much. Well, maybe that's something that we need to not do as much or be aware of. And there's plenty of uh, apps you can download in the app store that track your spending, your finances and stuff that are phenomenal tools. Um, You know, especially like for all of our companies, we track everything through QuickBooks and they've got an app so we can do that. But for your personal goals, it's there's several uh, great apps that you can download. You can just Google those. You know which apps are the best for money management. Find one that's that you're comfortable with, and they will track everything. And it's very beneficial and helpful. Yeah, we're not necessarily going to tell you what to do, but you know, just kind of give you that inspiration to make a simple Google search. That's like, hey, if I'm looking to budget better, what are some great free cell phone apps? Or if maybe you want to spend a little money on it, you know, you find what works best for you. Read the reviews, read all about it, and kind of move forward. But I think just kind of starting to be more aware, track your spending, and all of that is a great basic starting point. Okay, the next question says, I recently got engaged. We are paying for our own wedding. Tips on wedding planning. What? So I would say go ahead and start researching simply even on Google at what different breakdown percentages a wedding different parts of it cost. For instance, I know when we were planning our wedding, I believe 40% of our budget was allowed for the food and alcohol at the reception, and I had no idea that it's that high. So for instance, if you're really wanting to save, cutting down on your guest list is really going to save you that money of food, alcohol, cake, hors d'oeuvres, even like invitations and stationery and stamps that you'd be sending out. So for me, I like to save money where I can to make it smaller and more intimate and then spend money on things like a wedding planner who can step in with their expertise because sometimes spending money with someone who is a professional can actually save you money in the long run because they know how to do things more affordably or more economically or more efficiently than you trying to do it yourself would be. But for instance, just like Google, you know, what's the breakdown of a wedding budget? Look at the things that are very higher, like in percentages versus that aren't as important to you. And also like have a list of what your top three things are. For me, my top three things were photographer, dress, and venue. So those were my, where I wanted to spend the majority of my money. So I didn't do a sit-down steak meal, we ended up doing um, chicken 
chicken that was stuffed with like cream cheese and spinach. It was still very wonderful, but we saved a little money there. And, you know, I wanted smaller wedding. Grant went a little bigger. So we kind of met in the middle. I really also wanted to spend on a good planner. Um, so, you know, I knew that I had to sacrifice a little bit of my floral budget if I wanted a planner and to spend a little more on my dress, my venue and my pictures. So I think focus on when looking back, what would be the most important on your wedding date, see what things come broken down to as far as percentages and go from there. And now yep. I'm going to hand it over to Grant. Absolutely. And one of the things that we found, especially with hiring a, uh, a wedding planner is that we probably got enough discounts of stuff we were going to spend anyway through her vendors. So essentially, you know, if it saved us a few thousand dollars, that was pretty much the wedding planner's cost. So, you know, just because you might be spending a little bit, you're probably going to end up saving that you know, for the most part on the back end with some of their vendors. Yeah. So think of things like that, that sometimes spending money can save you money. I know that sometimes can be hard to realize right when you're first upfront spending. Okay. The next question is what about financial plans set up for the baby? This is something I want to discuss with my advisor soon. We had a lot of questions like this. Like, are we going to have, um, a bank account set up for him? Are we going to get a savings account set up for him? Are we going to have life insurance set up for him? So I'll let Grant kind of take the reins. And remember, what works for us might not work for everybody. And if we are much more ahead on this topic than you are, do not compare or feel less than we're only here to help. Yeah. So as far as financial planning goes for, for baby Croy is that, you know, we've obviously got him, um, uh, we, we set him up a trust fund already. Um, and as far as like what the government goes, you can, there's a certain, tax-free uh, gift that you can give per parent. We do that every year for him. Uh, we max that out. Uh, my parents go ahead and max that out as well for him, for each individual. Uh, we do have him a savings account that, you know, we'll put $20, $30 in, or if, you know, someone else wants to give him birthday money or whatever, that we'll, we'll kind of accumulate it in there for him. Um, but yeah, anything we can do to... Uh, to what about to life insurance for a baby? Yeah, I wouldn't... I'm not... We have not bought life insurance for Croy right now. Um, now, granted, I have a life insurance policy on mine that obviously will will go for you know he Croy's the beneficiary for that. So um, you know you can do that, and, and it is something we'll probably set up in the next six months for him as far as a life insurance policy just within the first year of his life because you've also got to think at least looking at it. Because you have to know that sometimes the sooner you start something, then down the road you get more advantages if you increase it or you decide to extend it. You know, for instance, one of my life insurance policies my parents bought when I was, I think, you know, young. I wasn't six months old, but I was also young. And then when I wanted to extend it when I was 30, there were some benefits that I got to do by adding to that based on the fact that you know, my parents have started that younger for me. So I think definitely research those types of things. And another thing you can do is uh, establishing credit for them early. I know my parents, when I was six months old, they put a, they got a Discover credit card, put it in my name and they, you know, spend like 20, 30 bucks a month, maybe hundred bucks a month just on gas or food. And then they pay it off. So little things like that help establish credit from an early age. All right, so the next question we've got is, uh, since y'all have separate bank accounts, who pays for eating out, groceries, everyday things, and things like that? Uh, I think the easiest way to, what we kind of like to do is when we're, Rand and I are eating by ourselves and dinner and stuff like that, that I'll go ahead and and pay for dinner. And when we're at the grocery store, sometimes, you know, Randa pays for groceries and, you know, gas, we've got a, a gas card that we use and, that we each goes, have one. We each goes. have a gas, our own separate gas card. So, 
you know, things like that. And then obviously we own our own company. So when we're entertaining clients and things like that, then the company will go ahead and pay for it. But for the most part, it's just, we don't really have a set who pays for what. It's it's just basically whoever has a credit card pays for it. Or who's closest to the credit card yeah. or who can, <laughs> you know, get to the payment processor faster. You know what I mean? We're really not keeping tabs on that. And again, our situation is different that we're not so far budgeted down that, you know, if I want to grab groceries three times in a row rather than grant budgeting in, you know, those types of things. But I will say that, for instance, if anything that we are going to spend expense-wise can be also used as a tax write-off for one of our companies, we think that out ahead of time. With some of our companies, we may each have a credit card. For some of them, Grant may only have a credit card or I may only have a credit card. So we definitely think that out ahead of time before going out to eat, before spending, before traveling, we normally have a plan of, a, of attack. If we're going to... Exp- if it's going to be an expense anyways, if there is a way that we know it can also double up as a tax write-off, we think that through ahead of time rather than just getting the bill and going, okay, whose turn is it? Right. Absolutely. All right. So I think one of the next questions we have, where'd that thing go? What are the three things to stop wasting money on? And I think Rand and I might have completely different opinions on this. So this is actually going to be really fun to see what Randa's top three would be and then what my top three would be. Okay, well, first things first, I will say I am probably in the only 1% of people who did not have an Amazon Prime account until the end of 2020. Because, for instance, Grant and I lived together in the same home, and so he had an Amazon Prime account. So truly, if I needed something, I would just ask Grant to order it for me or send him the link rather than us each paying for an Amazon Prime account. Now, I will say once the baby was a couple weeks old, I was up more during the night feeding the baby. And that was when I had time to look up, you know, things on Amazon or baby things or stuff to restock, especially with how COVID hit and we were having more stuff delivered. So I did finally break down and get one just for like ease. But for so long, I was so against it because I know that's only $10 a month. That $10 a month adds up. If Grant's already spending it, then I maybe can't be as irrationally spending on Amazon if we're both like saying, hey, will you get this? Hey, should we buy this? So that would be one of my things of way to stop spending money. Another thing that I will say, I am probably another of the only 1% of America. I would think that I spend less than $30 to $50 a year at Starbucks. Like, oh my God, that's a great one. I didn't see, I didn't even, that one never even came to So mind. Starbucks is so marked up. Like I'm not here to dog on Starbucks. They have so many great like varieties and there is so much consistency and you know, wherever you travel, there is going to be one. But if you actually look up the quality of their coffee beans versus how much it's marked up, just coffee shops in general are such a markup that I make my own coffee at home. If I go out I don't just like need to have a Starbucks in hand. You know, I know how to make the teas. I know how to make my protein coffee the way that I want it. And I experiment different ways. I really encourage following like the macro barista on Instagram. He can show you how to make your own or like even healthy things. If you do shop a lot at Starbucks. So I'm not knocking you. If, if you love Starbucks and you're fine with spending five, six, seven, eight, ten dollars $10 a day on just one thing. Hey, if that brings you joy, you know, then it's worth it. But for me, that adds up over time. And so little things like that, that people think are just small expenses, if you're doing them very, very regularly, they really add up. Same for, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, but if you're a smoker, you know, maybe find a way to smoke only one pack versus two packs. It's not that healthy. Just things like that can really help you. Yeah, so Randa actually just took that uh, right out of my, the words out of my mouth on that one. My top three for, top three just quit wasting your money on would be alcohol, tobacco, and targeted ads on Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> I'm not, I am guilty as charged on the targeted ads. And I, I never realized what was going on until like six months ago when 
Brandon and I, I don't remember specifically what it is, but we were just talking and, had, and I hadn't Googled it, hadn't researched it or anything. Next thing you know, one of the Facebook ads popped up and I was like, we were just talking about that. So I, I mean, that's a great idea. I really need it. So I started buying it. And the next thing you know, you got to quit. And then I love when the, the said thing comes in the mail and I'm like, what are you wearing? And he's like, I got targeted, girl. Yeah, Facebook <laughs> got me again. So I think that was a great question. And those are things to really think and ask yourself. Like, what am I spending, even if it seems like such a small amount at one time, but what am I spending a lot of money on that I could maybe not necessarily completely cut out, but cut back on? So think of things like that to make, you know, big changes in your life. Okay. The next thing is advice for newlywed couples and starting to smart financially plan together. Absolutely. That's a good one. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but basically just total up your, you know, net total cumulative income for the household and, and figure out, I think starting with the home was probably your number one. Well, I would also not only say figure out what all you're bringing in, but then from what you're bringing in, first off, how much do you want to put aside in savings? Because you might want to budget based off of a lower number than what you bring in. You know, for instance, Grant and I try to live on a, a very sm much smaller percentage than what we bring home. And that's what we set our budget on rather than just what we make. Absolutely. Like as far as what we do is that we actually live on 10% of my income and then and that's net taxable income. And then the rest, all of Randa's income and everything else goes straight into investments, savings, everything else. And or so I find ways for the expenses to, you know, I justify them if they're tax write-offable as well. Absolutely. One thing that Grant and I kind of argue about a little bit is I'm always like, well, it's a write-off. And he's like, no, it's an expense. And I'm like, well, technically it's both. And he's like, yes, but it doesn't mean you should just spend that money because it can be a write-off. If you're going to use that as an expense already, then use it as a write-off rather than just thinking, oh, I should spend this because I need a write-off. Yeah. And that's one of the most, that's what I think the misconception with so many small business owners is they're like, oh, I'm going to go spend all this money and because it's a write-off and I can write it off. So ipso facto, I'm going to I'm gonna go spend that money. And I just start looking at them like, that's not smart. Just because you're writing it off, that's still an expense. That's less money than you have in your bank account. So and you're still spending probably maybe more money than you need to if you're going to just justify it that yeah, way. So absolutely. first thing, I didn't mean to interrupt Grant. Y'all know I'm working on that whole interrupting thing. But I did want to catch that before he went on further with not just what you make, Go ahead and figure out what you're bringing home, what you want to set aside for savings, and then actually set your budget on that number that you are comfortable with spending. And I'll let him continue. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as um, kind of everything what we were just talking about, just set your goals, see what you need to do. And then I, for us, you know, like find, do you want to either buy a home or do you want to rent, rent a home or rent an apartment? Do you want to buy or rent? Figure out whether you want to spend, you know, 20% or 33, 35% of your total net income on your living situation. Then for your vehicles, do you want to spend between, you know, 10 and 30% on vehicles or uh, a month? Or you just kind of break down. And there's a lot of charts on Google that you can you can Google, you know, what's the, the great uh, or the best way to have a, a family budget. And there's a bunch of already pre-formulated spreadsheets you can enter in that are phenomenal tools. And, and Google's a great, great help with some of these questions. Um, but just really, you just got to find out what your interests are. Do you like to vacation? Do you want to set aside for, like you said, a child savings fund or, you know, say you want to go to a football game or whatever, just whatever your basic life goals are, just 
spreadsheets and in, in Google Analytics can really, really help. And then you. everyone's going to look different because some people want to spend more money on going out to eat and entertaining right. and, you know, having cocktails with friends where some people want to spend more on groceries because they want to spend that quality time cooking and preparing their meals and eating them at home. So obviously it's going to look different for everybody. Okay. This question is a good one. How do you feel about stocks or do we personally invest? Absolutely. Uh, that's a phenomenal question. So our financial advisor, uh, James West with UBS, will be on probably in the next few episodes to talk about that. But yes, I am heavily, heavily invested in the stock market. Um, I've been doing it since I was probably around 20 years old. Uh, so I've been doing that for about 16 years now. And um, I've got a, you know, a portfolio that I'm pretty proud of. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in it. And how do you feel about the stock market? I love the stock market. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, made some good money on it, and it's not as scary as what a lot of people think. It's just another business. You got to learn the ins and outs of it. You've got to, you know, mediate risk. What you're comfortable with. Um, I'm a little bit more risky on some stuff. So there's some stocks that I've lost money on, and there's stocks I've made good money on. It just kind of. So depends. do you view it more like it's just like a side income, and or how do you view that? Like basically. For the listeners, how much should they put into the stock market or value? You know, so that's a good question. It all depends on your your financial level goals, what you're what you're really kind of going to. And so I know it's kind of not a specific answer, but for me, you know, the stock market is not money that I live on. I don't use one dollar of it for. I don't use it to pay for a house. I don't use it for a car payment. I don't use it for anything. That is just a growth avenue for our companies. Um, I've got and for my, you personally and for me personally, yeah, too. I don't I don't touch one dollar of, of any of my stock market stuff. Um, that's just a. I always we talked about it on the last one. It's called pipelines for me. If you have like your your pipeline A is your your main job, what's going to feed your family, put food on the table, things like that. Then you need to have pipeline B, C, D, and those are other forms of of revenue that can create wealth. And so that's essentially, but don't ever let them neglect pipeline A. Yeah, pipeline A is always your most important one, but pipelines B, C, D is that's what's going to create wealth and that's what's going to get you further on in life. So, for And not only have I learned that from Grant as far as like the different pipelines, but also the diversification because if your pipeline A is in, for instance, the retail industry and the retail industry is, you know, experiencing a big hit, well then pipeline B or C might be in industries that are booming more. And so again, not to get away from your main, but then you have, you know, things that can kind of balance each other out. Wouldn't you say, Grant? Absolutely. Yeah. You always got to find stuff, you know, a good balance. And so for the stocks, I personally, um, I've got some portfolios that are, um, I've got about a hundred different stocks, uh, that I like to play. And then I've got other portfolios that are just straight up, uh, be, uh, index funds and then i've got other that are heavy bonds and stuff like that so each each different portfolio or company that i have in the market reflects my goals as what i'm trying to do so sometimes i want a uh, low risk so i'm going to be heavy bonds and um tax-free municipal bonds things like that and then my other my heavy risk that i'm going to have is in a hundred different stocks and then my middle of the road is going to be index funds as long as i can follow the index beat the s p by one or two percent every year, I'm a happy camper. So you basically like to use the stock market as clearly not your pipeline name. Correct. Oh, absolutely not. No, I, the stock market for me would probably be 
pipeline D or E. That's and pretty do you, far down the road. Do you yeah. suggest that for most people, like not focusing pipeline A on the stock market? Yeah, I would not put your, your main primary source of income into the market um, unless that's what you do. Like if you're a financial trader, then have at it. But get your normal supplemental job. Take, you know, your savings or whatever and, and smartly invest. Don't, you know, crypto is going crazy. I'm not a crypto guy, but don't get into heavy volatile stocks. Don't get it. Don't put yourself in a position where your stocks, say you only have 10000 in savings for the whole family. And I'm not saying go put $9,000 in the stock market. That is not what I'm saying. I, whatever you're comfortable losing, say put two or $3,000 in there. It shouldn't be a big uh, financially. Put 20, 30% of your savings or, or more if you're comfortable and then try to grow it from there. But don't don't overdo it in the market. And one thing I want to hit on before we dive into some more of these questions is something that, you know, Grant came for more money growing up than I did. He was more well rehearsed in business and investments and different things like that. I know there are probably listeners out there that relate more to me on that situation. So I don't want you to feel like, oh my gosh, because I don't have multiple portfolios in a stock market, I'm behind with my life. You know, just simply getting started and living within your means means so much because when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses or buy, you know, whatever's going to make you look popular on Instagram or the purse that's going to outdo your girlfriend that just got a brand new Chanel or all these different things. Like if you're putting it on a credit card and you're not able to pay off that credit card in full every month, probably need to reevaluate some of your spending because I'm going to let Grant talk about the compound interest rates of credit cards and how it's really hard to get out of debt if you're only paying the minimum amount and continuing to add and compile onto the debt of your credit cards. Yeah. Compound interest is either your best friend or your worst enemy. So as far as like the stock market goes, compound interest, the earlier you can start investing and leaving it in there and letting your money work for it for you, you know, it's always the rule of 72 for, for compound interest. So let's say the ab the market average is 8% a year, 72 divided by eight is nine years. If you put $10,000 in the market, it makes 8% a year. And in nine years, you're going to have $20,000. So your money will literally double in nine years through the rule of 72 for on compound interest. And that is the one of the things is that if you can do that market average year after year after year, in 40 years, you're going to have a pretty substantial amount of money just based on compound interest. Okay. The next question is from one of my favorite followers. She says, I'm 26, cars paid for no April maxing out my IRA for the second row in the year in 2021 and have another investment account steadily growing. What should be my next finance goal or something to have on the radar? First thing I will say is you go girl. That's <laughs> like that's very impressive to be 26 car paid for just bought a house and no college debt. So if you're a listener, first thing I would say is start tackling away at that college debt. If you're not in that position of this listener to the listener, I would say this is when I think you could start looking at pipelines B, C, and D, you know, some supplemental side income, a way to turn a hobby into, you know, some extra spending money. And especially if it's a way that you can use that extra money you're making to save up towards a purchase like of something like a small rental home that can help grow your portfolio, grow your income. And I'm going to let Grant talk on Things of spending, like why you would want to spend on a rental home that might cost you, if you could find $1,000, rather than going and buying yourself some fancy sports car or elite Mercedes vehicle. Yeah, this is the one thing that we have always talked about is I'm a firm believer in buying appreciating assets as opposed to depreciating assets. I know I've got several friends of mine that have been saving up for years and they're like, I can't wait to buy this car. And I'm like, What's wrong with the car you have? I said, why wouldn't you take that 20, 30 grand that you have 
saved up in your bank account that you're trying to pay for a car and go buy a rental home. I said, you can buy two or three rental homes with 20 or 30 grand right now with SBA loans and everything else. Like you can get so much further in life that, you know, you can go put, you know, buy a hundred thousand dollar home, the rental home, get a thousand dollars a month, which would be the 12% rule or the 1% rule. And you can make 9% net on your money after, after everything. And after 10, 20 years, you've got all these investments paid for. You have all the equity in these homes. And in 10, 20 years, you have a substantial portfolio that you can keep growing and growing and, and have a better life and have more money in the future. I was like, is that extra car you need right now? At quote, unquote, need. Yeah, quote, unquote. I was like, your car gets you from point A to point B. Why don't you just, and, and I and just sacrifice a little bit. Don't take that 20 grand that you worked so hard to save up for. Go make that money where, let your money make money for you. Don't just buy depreciating assets. Because you, when you buy that, drive that car off the lot, it's worth less than, you know, what you bought it for. What, it, probably by at least $10,000 oh, as soon as you drive it off. Depending on the car you have. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just things like that. Or if you had that $20,000, $30,000 saved up, go put it in some form of investment. Like one of my new things that I'm getting into is, is sports cards. You know, if I've got an extra twenty grand laying around, I'll go buy a bunch of cards. I'll sit on it for six months. I'll get them graded, and I'll flip them, and I'll double my money in six months. And it's things like that. It's like, oh, I, I would love to go buy another car or a four wheeler, or a Jeep, or whatever. But that twenty grand that I've saved up, I'm going to go put it in another form of investment. Yeah, and like really just kind of researching and knowing what are appreciating assets versus depreciating. I know one of the most heavily depreciating assets that people love to spend money on is a boat, for instance. So to wrap up this listener's question, I just want to say, you know, really, if you don't already have a financial advisor, maybe look into having something like that because you sound like you're at the place to kind of, you know, take on some new goals, out your goals, short-term, long-term financially, finding some ways to have your money make you more money and things like that, I think would be wonderful for you. Um, this one is the best advice on ending credit card debt. And I think that would go back to paying off more each month than the minimum credit card payment requires. Yeah, the, the easiest way to pay off credit card debt is if you don't have the cash to pay for it, don't put it on the credit card. And I know that sounds simple, but we are in a culture of I want it now and I'll pay for it later. And that is the worst possible thing you can do. And so also one of the worst things you can do is just only making the minimum payment because they're going to be charging you 17 or 18% interest every month. Highway like, robbery. <laughs> which is, it, it's just crazy. People pay that. And, you know, I realize life happens and sometimes you have to go down that road. But if you don't need those $120 pair of sneakers and you don't have the cash for them, but you really want them, don't buy them. It's just being smart about, it's having self-control on your spending. Just because you have the money does not mean you need to spend it, right? right. Okay, the next question is tips for planning for baby's future. And I know we kind of went over this earlier, but I'm going to hit on it from the way that I kind of grew up because I was not, I did not have a trust fund. I was not in a place where, you know, my parents were able to give tax-free money, the money that they made as a middle-class working family we needed to live on. But my mom did start me a savings account ever since I was a really young girl. And, you know, even things like whenever your, your kids have their first birthday parties or holidays or Christmases and people give them, you know, money in cards, even if it's just $10, $20 here or there, putting that into that savings account not only adds up over time, but it teaches you... Um, 
you know, really disciplined with your spending of your kids' money. And it shows them, you know, how to save. So I didn't really understand when I was little. But for instance, I know Grant knows where this story is going. But my brother is a couple years younger than me. And he had a birthday party. And he was opening up the cards. Like the cards were always separate from the gifts. He was opening up the cards. And, you know, he would see that there was money in it. And so I saw that from afar. And I ran over to my brother while he's opening up his card because he's little. Or, you know, clearly I needed to look out for him. I even needed to speak for him in some situations. So I like run over there and I'm like, hurry, Jacob, hide it. Take it before mom takes it because she's going to take it to the bank and you're never going to see it. <laughs> You know, and so I didn't have a whole lot of money from that savings account whenever I graduated college, but I did have something in there. And that was from rather than me spending on toys or clothes or tennis shoes that I wanted at that time. And I remember like throwing a fit to my mom, like, why does this girl get to spend her birthday money on the new Nikes and a new backpack? And I don't get to. And she's like, one day you will appreciate that I'm doing this for you. You just don't understand right now. So just know that, yes, Grant and is maybe grown up in a different financial status than some of you. Some of you probably much more relate to Grant, and some of you probably much more relate to me. So I wanted to come on here humbly and say, you know, if you can't start your, your kids a trust fund, like, that's okay. I didn't have one growing up. And honestly, I remember the first time that someone thought, because I own my own business, that I was just a quote-unquote trust fund baby. And not to take away from them, Grant's one of the hardest working people I know. I have other friends that, you know, had a wonderful start from their parents, and I don't take that away from them. But I got so offended that someone thought I hadn't done that for myself rather than relied on the trust fund money. When in reality, it doesn't matter what you're given. It's if you take an opportunity that's been started for you and you make it better and grow it to more, you've done a great job. No matter if you started with zero dollars, you started with five million dollars gifted to you, you know. So I want to put that out there because I know we're talking to people of all different financial backgrounds here. Absolutely. And, and it, when it comes to stuff like that, I will say this right here is that, yeah, I was given a pretty substantial trust fund when I was 20 years old. And so it was one of those deals. I've grown up with it. I understand money. Money doesn't intimidate me. And I've been in border border meetings since I was 12, 13 years old. I think you started when you going when you were five, right? Yeah, I mean, I was in there. I mean, I didn't have a clue what was going on. But I mean, I was, <laughs> I was in there playing with my Game Boy or whatnot. But, you know, it, but it's situations that even if you're given a head start, don't ever apologize for that. You know, my parents and, you know, and my family are some of the hardest working people I've ever met, you know, working 60, 80 hours a week and, and things like that. Very they, diversified in their business. Very diversified. But, you know, they've made a great life for themselves. So I don't apologize for my family just working very diligently and providing with me for a great future. And because of that, I'm the third generation of wealth in our family. And, you know, they always say the first one makes it, the second one grows it, and the third one blows it. Well, I don't want to be that third generation that blows it, so I'm going to work about my money and things like that. And so it's just a situation of you just have to be smart with your money, be diligent about it, and... And yeah. like really just stop avoiding it or thinking, I'm going to start this next year. I'm going to start this next month or I'm going to get better about checking my bank account next month. Like really hitting these things head on and starting now is only going to help, right? Okay, the next thing is... Okay, this next question is from one of my Rockstar Power Fit girls. She says, do you recommend hiring a financial coach as a new business owner? 100%. I think even as business as I am and ran his own Southern Jewels and other companies for over 10 years, we still have a business coach. We, we hired a business coach last year and paid a pretty substantial amount of money that, in my opinion, for some help. And I think that was one of the best investments we've ever made. Well, and, so, and not even just business coaching, but financial coaching. What absolutely. 
people, this is what I always try to tell people. If you're not learning, you're not growing. And I don't know everything. I'm not even going to act like I do. Like I, there's, you know, a lot I don't know. And so I love hiring business coaches, seeing what they say, going to seminars, learning. And uh, absolutely, I would highly recommend any, any form of education you can get, pay for it, go for it, learn. Because the more education you have, you'll have, and when that opportunity presents itself and you've got the education and the, and the, the know-how to do stuff, you're just going to capitalize on that, that opportunity. And I would say it's probably kind of intimidating as a new business owner because, gosh, it takes so much to get started that you're like, do I really need this expense of, of like a financial advisor or coach? But really, it can create smart habits from the beginning that you don't then have to go and change and break and go back on in the years coming. And it can probably even help you be more aligned with your goals financially or business-wise or, you know, separately or all together from the get-go. And sometimes you're paying for that knowledge and experience and even just accountability. Some people need the coaches or the financial planners just to hold them accountable because it's someone you have to face if you're irrationally spending or, you know, not doing things right, or it's just another set of eyes on your book. So I would say if you can find a way to budget it, yes, because I would assume that within a year or two, it will pay for itself. And then those years after that, it will help you to be either more efficient or smarter or grow more financially. Um, Grant really wanted to answer this one question, and it was about, do you recommend having an LLC for rental properties? 100% absolutely unequivocally yes. And there's for multiple reasons on that is that one, it comes down to liability standpoints. You don't want to be a sole proprietor owning a a rent house, and let's just say someone slips and falls and they can sue you. Well, if you don't have it into some kind of limited li- limited liability corporation, then you know all that uh, liability is is passed on to you directly. One hundred percent, yes. Any rental property you have, get it into LLC. It's not going to hurt your S corp. It's all flow through uh, income anyway. It's all taxed the same. It doesn't matter. So, for a liability standpoint, absolutely start an LLC. Thanks, Tony, for handling that one. Okay, the next question is, how has your daily spending and long-term savings changed since you had a baby? And I will say, for me personally, my daily spending has gone up. Um, I was very, very diligent before I had the baby for years. I mean, I know on Instagram it can look like, oh, this girl spends a lot of money, but I would... I'm. You can ask Grant. I'm very smart about my spending. I don't want to spend it unless it's something that can help me grow or make more money. And with me being a public figure on Instagram, I can't justify just buying all these designer things all the time, but it does correlate with more of the luxury lifestyle brand that I am promoting. And when I'm promoting this whole girl boss confidence, being you know strong and healthy from the inside out, not just physically fit, those things do fit my brand. And so if it's something that can help me grow as a business, yes, I'll justify it. But as far as the baby, you know, now there are more expenses as far as like just diapers and diaper rash cream and, you know, food and different things for him. And I will say I am much more, I would say a little more lenient with myself on my spending now because I view it as I worked really, really hard for 12, 13 years before I had a baby and I grew multiple businesses. I've created myself multiple pipelines. So yes, I do spend more now because I want to Dressing Croy up and taking his pictures and sharing with y'all, that brings me a lot of joy. And those are memories I'll have forever. So I'll spend more money on that. And I am in a place where I do have a lifestyle blog 
on top of PowerFit, which is my pipeline A. But with my lifestyle blog, I can choose who I want to work with and what companies I want to grow with. So if I want to push harder with this company or take on a new collaboration, and if I choose that to put it into you know, now marketing Croy in his page and his clothes, then I find a way to do that for myself. So I'm not as hard on myself about my daily spending since I've had a baby, but I know Grant needs to answer that. And we also need to talk long-term savings since we've had a baby. And so what's kind of funny for me is that once Croy was born, my daily spending has decreased astronomically. Whenever we, we flipped. Were, oh, we completely <laughs> flipped. I mean, it was, I used to be the spender. I would I would, if I wanted something, I was just going to buy it. And that was within his budget within, allowance within of what he was going to spend. Yeah, we, I need to pre preface that because there are some people who think I don't have a clue what I'm doing with money. But either way, <laughs> uh, yeah, so when we had Croy, I was like, man, do I really need, I always go back to tennis shoes because I like tennis shoes. No, I don't need those. You know, whatever. And so if there's anything I want to buy for Croy, I buy it for him. But instead of, of, of buying things I wouldn't, the targeted marketing and all that stuff I wouldn't need, my bank account is actually tremendously gone up since I had Croy, which is crazy because I'm not just out there buying everything I want because I see it on Facebook or Instagram. I'm thinking, well, I don't really need this. I'd rather put this money away for Croy later. Or, and like I said, I was, I'm into sports cards now. So if I did want to buy something, I'll go buy a card. And uh, now that's an appreciating asset that I might be able to hand down to Croy one day. You never know. And let's be honest with having a baby, you have less time to, to go shopping or do online I, shopping. No time. <laughs> I mean, I used to buy like just nonsense. I mean, it, it didn't really matter. Like, if a lot of my spending nonsense, and I had to. It took me a little while to, to grow up and mature on that. But it was one of those deals that if I don't need it, I don't buy it anymore. Yeah, you know. And here's another thing I want to mention is if you've spent too much, or you've gotten yourself in some debt, or you've lost money on a business. I mean, I've done that. I've had years where I was making a lot of money, and then six years in, I had a hard year and I lost some money. Um, but still overall was wonderfully profit yourself up because sometimes the money that I've lost or spent, you know, I've learned such life lessons from that that have helped me to grow and to become better prepared for the future that I don't want anyone listening to this just beating themselves up because you're not where you want to be yet financially because everything's about the journey and the growth that you learn along the way. Oh, absolutely. And, and I've be the first one to admit I've started companies and they've crashed and burned and failed miserably and I've lost a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it just is what it is, but you know what that we'll call it hundred thousand dollar lesson is some of the best education I've ever got in my life. I learned more on several business failures than I ever learned in college because it's real money on the table. And so if, if you have lost money or you're in debt, it's not that big a deal. You'll get out of it. Just put your nose down, grind, and you can get out of it. You just got to learn from it, not make the same mistake twice and, and go on about your business. And it's such a rewarding feeling then when you get out. You know, if you're someone who had to take out student loans to put yourself through college, you know, I know that we have celebrated with multiple friends when they're in their late 20s or early 30s paying off their student loans. It's a big deal. And we're there, you know, in celebration. So another question is tips for a college freshman. And I think this is a good question because I think, you know, eating out less, every $10, $12 meal adds up astronomically so much faster than finding ways to be at the grocery store eating on two or $3 meals. Different things like that, having your microwave, you know, and I know sometimes you want to be healthier and so that can be hard. Um, I'm going to let Grant take over here. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be the first one to admit when I was in college, I did not take it seriously. I didn't study. I just did the bare minimum and I was at the bars and I partied hard like that was i was i went to college to have a good time i wasn't there for education 
and looking back on it, I'm so disappointed in myself and it's embarrassing because, you know, as a freshman, you don't need to go to the bars. You don't need to get drunk all the time. You well, you're not even 21, so you legally can't. Yeah, but that's not going <laughs> to stop people. We all know that. We're all being realistic here. But no, you just don't need to party that much. Like, you can have a great time and not spend 40 or $50 at the bar. You can go and spend, you know, $10 on, you know, some nachos and, and some water in one night and still have a great night and be the DD. And you've had a great night and you've saved 40 or 50 bucks. So, Sneak your own you, snacks and coffee into the um, library rather than spending on Starbucks. Hey, we still sneak our own snacks in the movie theater. Don't tell anybody. Grant, well, Grant's one of the investors in the movie theater. It's the only reason we can get away with it. Good yeah. God, I can't believe we put that out there. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm going to take this one. Okay, I love, love, love this next question. Grant doesn't even know what it is. I'm just going to ask it, answer it my way, and then hand him This is where I wish we were almost at a video on us going outside. It's like deer in the headlights. And I, I am way too coming. excited because it's all on my phone. Okay, how to teach your kids value as they get older? What worked growing up that our parents did? And again, Grant and I grew up very differently. He had like Head Start in business and financials behind him and a trust fund. I did not, but... A couple things that are very similar about the way Grant and I were raised. We are both raised to live within our. We were both raised. It's okay if you have to, you know, wear an outfit from Walmart or an outfit from. Okay, don't be going to Target if you're just going to waste time and blow money you don't need to. But it comes down to for me teaching them to earn and gain pride out of what they've earned to be rewarded for. So, for instance, we're not going to share completely how we want to do this with Croy, but just to kind of give you a little bit of an overview. For instance, when he gets his grades growing up, we want to say for every A, you get this much money in your said account, okay? And for every B, you know, you don't, you might get a little bit taken away. For a C, you get more taken away than you made for an A. So basically, for instance, when he's like 16 years old, are we at the place where we could buy our son a, a car right now? 100%. 100%. So will, will we be able to buy him probably a really, really, really nice car without even looking twice at it when he turns 16? 100%. Are we going to do that? Absolutely not. Absolutely freaking not. And let me tell you why. Whenever he turns 16, whatever his grades, based on this little calculation that we're going to come up with on what he made, that's what is going to be his budget for his vehicle. And he's going to pay for his own car. Now, we're not paying, when well, technically we're paying for it, but he's going to have to earn that vehicle. He's not going to be given anything. It's one of those deals growing up. Yes, my parents, I make no bones about it. Our family was very wealthy, very affluent, however you want to call it. And I did not grow up with a silver spoon in my house. I, did, I grew up in a, in a very humble, nice 1,800-square-foot house. We did not you know, had irrationally, we didn't take family vacations everywhere. We didn't do all of that. Now, never went without, always had the best baseball gloves and baseball bats. I get that. But when I wanted something, my dad would basically say, you know, you're not allowed to go play uh, Little League Baseball if you made less than, if, if, I'm, if I ever made a C, I was grounded. Like that was just straight up. I wasn't allowed to go. I mean, I, I remember there was times where I would make a C in Spanish and I, I had to go sit out. I couldn't play sports for a couple of weeks because, and that broke my heart more than anything because I didn't earn the right to go play sports because my grades lacked. Or if I wanted a new bat, I didn't. He just didn't hand me the bat. That didn't happen. I had to earn it. I had to, you know, practice a certain amount of hours a week. My grades always had to be there. I had to be very respectful. Yes sir, no sir. Yes ma'am, no ma'am. Like my parents made me earn everything growing up, and I was never just handed the keys to the castle.
100%. And I love and respect that about Grant's parents and the way he was brought up so much. And, you know, maybe it's not only going to be on grades because I do think that school is harder on some kids versus others. But now they still have to work hard for their grades no matter what. So I'm sure it will have something to do with things that they help out with around the house, like their attitude, their respect for their mom and dad and others in the family. You know, different things like that is going to, we'll probably have a full chart once he's able to read and add. And we'll, we'll show him how he's earning money or getting money taken away and how it is growing into this fund. And I'm not going to say it's just for his car, but it could be for other things. But it's basically going to be a reflection on what he did and he earned based on his efforts. And it's and we're only talking about the financial aspect of this. We're going to take this as so much further. It's kind of what my dad and, and mom instilled in me. It was a lot of respect value is that you need to be a good upstanding person. You know, we're going to instill those values in him. So value is not just monetary. It's it's being a quality. It's one of those deals like I am never going to be trying to be best friends with Croy. That's never going to happen. I'm going to be his dad, first of all. And I want him to be the most functioning, well-respected. I want him to be a great, productive member of society. So I want to instill those values in him as opposed to just only talking about money or Whatever it is, like it, I think value has a lot. You know, be a good person, respect people. You can't gain respect until you give. I don't want him to be this little entitled, entitled, spoiled brat who you know brags and um, bullies other people. Because if I catch his little ass doing that, I'm empty out everything he worked for in that savings account and say you're not going to have a car if you keep this up. So we definitely do not want to be those parents that just our kid is right. Just because we have it, we're going to give it to him because to given a more opportunity start. But he still did a lot with what he was given. And someone had to work hard to give him his start. And I worked really hard to get where I am. So I view that as mine and Grant's money right now. I'll spend it on little outfits for Croy and dress him up. But if he wants to be, act like a little brat as a teenager, that's our money. That's not Croy's money. At that point in life, Croy doesn't have any money. His parents do. Yeah, and that's the one thing that my dad told me is that he goes, Grant, I hate to tell you, but you don't have any money. You're nobody. He goes, I have, all, you know, he, my dad had the money and the control of the trust funds. And he basically said, Grant, if I don't think you've earned it or you're deserving, you're not getting anything. You're not going to work for the family company. I'll give you a couple dollars in your vehicle and you can go on about your business. But I'm not just going to give it to you if I don't think you've earned it or you have not achieved something. You're not going to be one of these people that, like I said, is given the keys to the castle and you go blow it. Because I do know people that have been given millions and millions of dollars and are just not productive members of society. They don't work. They don't do anything. They're just, they're just, they just exist. I mean, they're, they, or they've blown everything. Like it's just, it's You can't crazy. just give somebody a head start, not teach right. them you know, the principles of life and expect them to succeed because you have to teach them along the way. And I will tell you, you know, it's going to be hard to watch Croy fall, to fail, to lose, to come up short, but that is when he's going to learn the most. And I do not want to be that mom that just steps in and pampers him and fixes everything for him and says, it was not my child. He's not at fault. I am not going to raise an an entitled person who does not understand what punishment and consequences are because I am a firm believer in consequences. It helped get me where I am and I want to do the same with my child. So the next question is how will we decide to pay for things with 
Croy if we have separate finances? Well, first thing I want to say is mine and Grant's finances are not 100% completely separate. We do have some finances together. So I know that I've put out there our finances are separate, and they are much more separate than together. But we do still have stuff together, and we do still sit down and do budgeting and planning and long-term stuff together as a team. So it may come out of this said business, or it may be earnings from this said business, or it may be, you know, equal amounts from mine and Grant's separate accounts, or it may be from our joint accounts. So I don't want y'all thinking just because everything's so separate that we're not still as a team and don't plan ahead on these things. Yeah, we 100% work together on everything. So like, you know, I know how much she makes, she knows how much I make, and we make a, a formulated and calculated effort on what our spending is going to be. So just because she has her money, if she wants a Louis bag or whatever, honey, go buy whatever your little heart desires. I'm never going to tell you what to do with your money. But when it comes to Croy and, and the, the long-term future, you know, the 5, 10, 15-year, you know, viewpoint and strategy of our family, we work together very hard on that. So it's like, hey, I'm going to contribute X amount of dollars to this, and you're going to contribute X amount of dollars to this out of these accounts. And we are very calculated and formulated where, where everything goes. It's just the little day-to-day -day stuff. Oh, you want a, a bag? Go get it. Grant, you want a helmet? Go get it. Like, we don't right. control... Sometimes a bag is not an everyday day-to-day -day expense for some people, and it's not even for me. So, for instance, yes, we have our money separately. So, if I want to buy Grant a gift, I am actually buying Grant a gift with my own money rather than me just taking his credit card buying it with his own money, right? Like, that means a lot more to me to be able to actually give my husband something. And also, if I want to spend more, I got to make more. But also, I'll tell you, in one of my years of business that was probably my second most profitable to date I was spending too much because I thought I was making so much so sometimes you can get more intact with your spending habits when you go and have kind of more of a down year so if you're if you're in that point of your life of kind of experiencing a little bit of a down year from COVID or a cutback with your job or your business owner like that's okay because you're going to learn how to become more efficient through that but you know, for instance, I have started buying more designer things. I never even bought anything designer until I was 30 years old. But for me, I would rather now spend with designer where things those things hold a lot of their value. If not, sometimes they hold all their value. Um, for me, rather than blowing on multiple smaller things that are not going to hold any value. Yeah, because you can buy a Christian Dior bag or a Chanel purse or whatever it may be and use it for five years, and then in five years, you can probably sell it for what you paid for it. So it's not... Or keep it as a hand-me-down to someone in the family, you know? Whatever. like I mean, it's, it's things that hold value. Absolutely. So sometimes when you just see luxury posted, just know sometimes there is a calculation behind that. Okay, so I think I'm going to kind of wrap it up on the finance talk, but again, we do plan to bring our financial advisor on as a guest in the near some from Grant and I, and I hope that you took something away no matter what stage of life or what financial right now. And I also want to thank you all for being very understanding that I was not on the podcast last week. Um, my Nana's health is declining and she's a very, very special woman to me. And so I have not really talked about what's going on with her health or where we're at, but you know, you never know when anyone's day could be their last. And so I've been trying to really spend my time appropriately. Plus Grant and I Finishing our new house, getting out of our current house. We've got a snowstorm going on. We're raising a baby, running businesses, doing podcasts, doing content creation. Life is hectic, y'all. Like we have a lot happening and a lot of like moving parts right now, but 
we love giving back and talking to y'all and building this, you know, podcast community and telling you more than what you just see on an Instagram post with us. So if you've listened and you liked this um, episode, please go ahead and screenshot, share it to your Instagram story, tag myself or Kate, Unbothered Blondes. We would love to hear a review. I have actually been paying more attention to the room changed up from where we um, recorded last week because I heard some negative, not negativity, but, you know, we all wanting to see some improvement on the audio. I know y'all really want to hear all four of us together with Kate and Coop, but also they're in the middle of kind of selling their house. And so sometimes we just have to come on here as we can with like things that happen in our life, but we want to keep showing up. I'm trying to work on my interrupting. Let Grant kind of wrap up this episode for us. Yeah. So today was fun and we hope that y'all enjoyed and possibly learned a thing or two. And like I said, don't think that what we're saying is the end all be all. It's everybody's going through something and everybody's got a different situation. So what works for us may not work for you, but what works for, you know, may may work for a friend of yours. It's just kind of whatever, but um, we're, we just, we're happy to, that y'all are following along and, and very eternally grateful for it. Yes. And we always want to hear, like I said, your feedback, your questions, um, the different topics y'all want to hear. So keep engaging with us so that we can keep learning, improving. You know, I've learned really to take some constructive criticism. I don't take it personally anymore. I take it as a way to improve and grow and better the experience and the value that I'm giving to all of you. So thank you all for being here. Have a wonderful week. And I cannot wait till we do some more finance talk with our financial advisor and some other topic talks, you know, in the next coming weeks. Absolutely.